Hello and welcome to What the Focaccia with me, Bettina Campolucci Bordi. And me, Nikki Webster. Our podcast is all about sharing our passion for the things we eat, good food, and the people behind it. Which is why we're so pleased that our lovely sponsor is Doug Drinks. You can see it all for yourself at dougdrinks.com. And they have kindly given us an exclusive discount just for you, our lovely podcast listeners. If you enter the code WTFDUG10, you get 10% off all their milks. So let's meet this week's guest. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting to the wonderful George Lamb, TV presenter turned campaigner for regenerative farming and co-founder of Wild Farmed and Grow. Hi, George. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, good. really good. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. We're going to start off, well, we're going to start off with you telling us how everything started off for you. Obviously, we've met before um, at the Wild Farmed workshop that we'll, we'll get into soon. But where did, your, where did your food journey start and how did you get started with, with what you're doing at the moment? Um, where did my food journey start? <laughs> my mum probably in the, and, yeah. then, and then my granny before that. But, you know, I was very lucky. I got brought up in a house with, a, with a, uh, an amazing cook. And, uh, and my mum was, you know, drizzling and shaving and, 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 you know, kind of, I don't know, able to just conjure stuff up from a seemingly empty fridge endlessly. And, uh, and so, I, you know, she set a very high bar for my pallets, you know, pretty <laughs> refined, basically. Wow. Um, uh, uh, and uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to her for that. And, you know, I've always loved food and, um, and, and I, I, I suppose, uh, really the, the journey I'm on at the moment, which is, which is, 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 you know, I have two things that I I'm involved with. One is grow, which is an organization, a charity, which uh, gets kids out into, out into nature and connects them with nature. A lot of that's through food growing. Uh, and also Wild Farm, which is the rege- regenerative agriculture business that I'm one of the co-founders of. Um, and, and, and I suppose, you know, ultimately where food and, and nature all started to become part of my everyday life was, was about 10 years ago. Um, I'd been working as a, as a TV presenter for some time to kind of like, you know, medium level success uh, I, I'd, I'd finally got onto primetime television. Uh, I thought that was going to be the solution to all my kind of angst and worries. Um, it turns out it, being on primetime is no different to not being on primetime. You just you, know, you work at slightly different times of the day and you get paid a little bit more, but you know ultimately it's all the same thing. And, 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 and whilst uh, it was certainly a lot of fun and, and it was quite lucrative for a bit, um, it wasn't really nourishing my soul. And so I started to... Uh, go on into a, a bit of a journey of self-discovery and introspection and, and trying to figure out, you know, who I was and why I'm here and what the whole point in all of this is, um, I, which I'm still trying to, you know, figure big out. Big questions. But, but, um, big questions, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I suppose uh, 10 years ago, I, I, I met um, I met Andy Cato, who's my co-founder, or one of my co-founders in Wild Farmed, um, uh, he had been in a band called Groove Armada for years. We'd known each other vaguely through dance music, um, and we, we got kind of reintroduced, and I asked him what he'd been up to, uh, and he said that he'd just sold his publishing rights to the band, and he'd bought a 100-hectare farm down in Gascony, 
and he was going to uh, commit his life to figuring out how you can do wheat production properly. Um, and I was so kind of blown away. It was so, that felt so abstract to me and it was so left field. And, um, and, and I, 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 I was kind of blown away by his conviction. And so we carried on talking throughout the summer. And at the end of that summer, I went down to his farm and saw what he was doing firsthand and met the family and kind of fell in love with the whole thing and, and pretty much there and then just offered my services up. I wasn't really sure how I could help and what I was going to do to help, but I was absolutely sure I was going to help, you know. Um, uh, and so kind of loosely it all began then, I guess. Um, about six or seven years ago, um, uh, I, 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 after kind of much badgering, um, my uh, another really good friend of mine a guy called Ed Lees uh, he had been working in the city for the last 20 years been pretty successful was definitely had one eye on a kind of exit and figuring out what he was going to do with the next chapter of his life uh, I kept on wanging on about Andy saying he'd got to come down and meet him and he was going to love him and all the rest of it anyway he came down um, and and you know between the three of us it's quite an interesting dynamic you know uh, Andy you know has, has, has totally kind of given himself over to the earth uh, I'm a good amplifier and Ed's a brilliant businessman and so between the three of us we seem to have most bases covered and, and we kind of set in motion a very kind of loose uh, uh, desire to kind of work together and, and we, beg we began really I suppose just supporting Andy um, and then uh, fast forward a, a couple of years and, and, and we decided we were going to uh, start bringing some of the grain to the UK and uh, we met Jeremy and David from, from Jolene and well, at the time they were Primer and Western's Laundry so we met Jeremy and David they were telling me a lot about what they were doing, well, they were talking to me about natural wine and what was quite interesting for me was that if you swapped out grain and grape it was pretty much the same story as, as what Andy was doing down in France and I said guys you've got to come down to France we've got to meet, you've got to meet Andy and and, and, and so we, we, we brought the guys down and, and pretty much on the spot we recognised we wanted to work together and so we set up Jolene which is a, a bakery uh, that started off in Stoke Newington and now has multiple kind of satellite sites all around North and, 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 and North East London um, and really you know it's about how can we be making real you know how can we be making better bread I suppose is, is, was the first uh, kind of instance for us and, and, and that was the first focus um, how can we be growing food in a way that is re, that is nourishing the, the planet? Uh, how can we be growing food in a way that makes it highly nutritious for human beings um, and, and you know steers away from chemicals and steers away from heavy machinery that's going to smash up the soil biology? And so Andy started out as an organic farmer uh, and, and unfortunately he took over a, a, a really um, uh, kind of distressed farm the soil biology on the on the farm was was in terrible shape um when he got it it had 80 years of conventional maize you know heavy duty chemical agriculture going on there it was less than 0.5 organic matter in the soil which basically means it's infertile mm. uh, and so he tried to bring that back to life um tried a kind of multitude of ways but was really in this kind of war of attrition with weeds and 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 so gradually went further down the rabbit hole of regenerative agriculture regenerative obviously the clues in the title it's about how do you bring something back to life um and so you know regenerative practices ultimately are just the same kind of farming that all of our ancestors would have been doing for hundreds of years uh, and then they just got lost 
you know, somewhere around the Second World War and when we moved into this kind of chemical focus agriculture. Um, and and uh, he'd pretty much, uh, he was he was kind of down to, 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 to his last, um, uh, I don't know, like his, his last kind of, you know, buck basically. And uh, he went to a bookshop to buy a book for his daughter. He was looking for an Enid Blyton book. Uh, and somehow the universe uh, seemed to kind of look after him and us, and, and someone had mislabeled uh, this very, very niche book called An Agricultural Testament uh, that's about 100 years old, written by a guy called Albert Howard, who's, who's uh, kind of widely regarded as the kind of grandfather of regenerative agriculture, and he was like, that's quite weird that that's in the bit where it's meant to be an Enid Blyton book, I should probably have a look at that. Um, and, and his kind of main focus, Albert Howard, is... How do uh, when you separate plants and animals, uh, you take away um, a, a kind of beautiful solution and you create myriad of problems? And so Andy was like, "Ah, oh, right, okay, maybe the solution here is to get is to get some some animals on the farm." And so he bought some animals and brought them over to France. He, he got a, a whole herd of cattle, Red Sussex, mm. uh, and got them in the fields. And all of a sudden, the, the, the land started to come back to life. And, wow. and so we've been on this kind of journey with him this whole way through. Really, a lot of it at the beginning, just as kind of voyeurs and, and supporters and shoulder to cry on and conciliary and all the rest of it. And then about two years ago, we decided we were going to do Wild Farm proper and... and um, and yeah, it's been it's, it's, it's been quite a ride. Uh, we're now we, uh, I suppose whatever it was, maybe three or four years ago, we were about five or six farms in France. We're now up to forty-two farms across across mm. France and the That's UK. Amazing. So I think we've got about we've got about thirty-five farmers in the UK. We we Andy's moved back to the UK. We've got a farm. Um, uh, about an hour and a half out of London towards Swindon. Um, uh, that's that's the kind of um, Wild Farm HQ. That's a, a national trust farm, really beautiful, 800-acre farm uh, that Andy got a 25-year lease on. Um, and then and then we manage another couple of farms uh, in Peterborough and and and, uh, and Norfolk. And then and then the rest are, are farmers who farm under contract. And essentially, what we figured out is is a is a kind of um, uh, a methodology or a process uh, and and we're creating a marketplace to be able to help farmers transition from conventional agriculture into uh, a, a nature-based low intervention system and 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 so um uh, you know the, the the issue at the moment is if you wanted to come out of conventional and and go into organic say um, then you have to swap all of your farm over to, to do that, and it's and, and you know, there's a lot of implicit costs, and the farmers aren't sure. You know, you know, people don't like change, yeah, basically, yeah. And, and 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 so if there's a lot of unknowns that uh, that that, me, that are there for you, if you if you're going to make this change, um, that it's difficult, and so we're basically trying to create a system that that cushions it for transitioning farmers and makes it as easy as possible for mm. people to move out of a of a chemical based system into a nature based system and uh, and um and big a big part of that is trying to create a marketplace you know mm. so um so so we're out there talking to to all the bakers and 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 people who use flour in, in flour in, in restaurants and and saying to them look you know 
we've all got our part to play in this climate emergency and of course you know it's great if people want to glue themselves to the m25 or or live in a tree or whatever or you know are in a position where they can you know change their the way they live or the their, their car or their you know holidays or whatever it is they're going to do um but uh, uh, that's quite a big jump for a lot of people yeah and actually what we'd argue is your biggest point of agency in this whole thing is your consumption yeah. and so hopefully you know at least two or three times a day you're buying food and that food that you're buying is shaping the future of the planet yeah that's and, and 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 that's really what wild farmed is about is is creating a creating a, a better food system and and giving consumers an opportunity to shape the future of the planet that's in, that's that's incredible and also why why I love about it is that you're also giving food producers an an opportunity to do better and you're giving them the tools um so going from five farms to you're almost 42 farms now is incredible and would you say that it's more profitable for farmers to turn regenerative as well uh, i mean it's it's a, i mean that's a long and tricky question mm. um the the reality of the situation is um, input prices are going up yeah. and outputs are coming down. That's a bad business to be in, basically. Mm. And and one of the things you know that Ed was particularly uh, 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 focused on at the beginning when he came in, he was just like, right. So let me under try you know trying to wrap his head around farming. He's like, you don't know what your input costs are, and you don't know what your output. What, what your outputs are basically what you're what you're going to get in like that's a very strange business to set mm. up you know um and 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 a lot of farmers will talk to you all the time around about gross rather than talking to you about net yeah and and so uh, and and a lot of the you know the kind of the 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 question everybody asks all the time is about yield and for sure like you don't get if you don't smash a load of chemicals onto a field you get less certainly in the sure. short term you you get less yield like that's how it works but if all your if your input costs are super high like actually you know we're seeing that you'd be better off doing a, a, a lower yield with us without those input costs mm. um than than a high yield with a with a with a load of input costs also then you get into a like how long you know what's your long term plan conversation and you know do you want to get irrespective of you know input costs let's just put that aside for a second you know do you want to get for argument's sake 10 uh, 10 tons per, per per hectare or 10 tons per acre uh, for for you know like a, a, a finite period of time or do you want to get five tons forever yeah sure like yeah uh, that's that's such so, a good question yeah George, for people that don't know, would you be able to explain what, exactly what regenerative farming is? Yeah, so, well, uh, I'd like to, but th there's a lot of kind of grey around it. So re yeah. let's just start with the word regenerative. Regenerative, re regeneration, it's about, how, you know, how do we farm in a way that brings health back into the farm, really? Health back into the soil. If you think about, you know, ultimately all life on earth is determined by, by soil health. Um, and, and so that's the, the genesis point for everything. And uh, unfortunately, conventional agriculture, in fact, m pretty much all agriculture other than regenerative is, is, is not putting soil health first. Mm. So we're, we're very definitely, re the regen scene, or what it should be in my mind, is about putting soil health 
absolutely at the, the forefront of everything. The, the issue with it is there isn't a clear uh, kind of, like there aren't clear guidelines. Um, like, for example, what's great about organic, irrespective of whether you're into organic or not into organic, it's very clear about what they are yeah. and what you can and can't do. The problem with regenerative, and, and, and increasingly it will inevitably get co-opted by big food, mm. is that like, you can have a regenerative farmer who, who, who doesn't, uh, doesn't plough, so he doesn't till. There's a, you'll hear a lot of the, the ploughing and tilling is the same thing, so mm. you hear a lot of people talk about no-till. So you could, you could do, do no-till, which is great. You're not, you're not breaking up the soil biology. You're not t- releasing all the carbon back into the atmosphere. Um, but then you're allowed to knock it back with, with – you're not allowed to knock back your cover crop with glyphosate or whatever at the end of the year. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Um, so, so, like, for, for, for kind of an easy shorthand, we talk about, about, about being, you know, like we come under the kind of region umbrella. Um, but, but, you know, as I say, increasingly that's going to get co-opted by people who, are, who, have, who, who perhaps don't have – who've got kind of questionable ethics – um, and we very definitely um, are. We, we've tried to kind of set ourselves apart, and we're, we're wild farmed, and it's wild farming, and that's what we do. And, and like, so yes, for ease of shorthand, we're a kind of regenerative process. But ultimately, what we're about is we're about pri- prioritizing soil health, increasing biodiversity, paying farmers properly, you know, and and uh, and and making sure that that you know we're. we're making as as kind of low intervention uh, uh, to the land as possible. Yeah, that's that's incredible stuff. And I think that also sort of summarizes what regenerative farming is about. Um, One of the things that I I loved about what you said um, in, in earlier chats is to go into bigger businesses and to make one change because um, we were chatting about this where people want to do too much change and it becomes overwhelming and if you can sort of go into businesses and for example change the flour that people use in bigger sort of bigger scale restaurants um, I'm not sure whether we're allowed to mention the ones that you're already in or involved in yeah yeah so so we're we're, um uh, we're going to be going into Marks and Spencers uh, in September this year. You'll be there'll be three or four branded wild farm loaves that we're going to be working with these guys Fantastic. on. Um, you know, from our perspective, it's huge. From Marks and Spencers' perspective, it's a t- it's a drop in the it's ocean, amazing. but it's a but it's a, but, yeah. but it's a but it's a great it's a great start. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be trialing with Nando's uh, over the back end of the summer as well. Um, and and I suppose really, you know, the, the the biggest issue I think we we have is that you know, or, or you know, as a kind of species, is, is we we quite often let perfect get in the way of good. Exactly. Um. And 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 so the reality is uh, that you know, major businesses and corporations which ultimately run the world uh, are there. Like whether I agree with it or not, they're there to serve the shareholders and create profits yeah. that's that's what they're there to do and uh, and, and 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 in my experience uh, many of the people who work in those businesses and run those businesses are good people you know but the yeah. construct within which they're working um it, it makes them it makes it complicated for them to do a full kind of 180 and shift and turn the whole thing around so rather than just kind of like demonize them and say okay well you're a bad person and we're not going to deal with you and you're not changing everything around 
Like, why don't we just accept that that's the kind of major, you know, they're the major protagonists in the food system, mm. and we'll we'll talk to them and see if maybe they could change one percent or two exactly. percent or five percent or ten percent. And let me tell you, you know, like we we're working on a thing at the moment uh, called the pledge. Uh, and if we got like the f- main 50 companies in the UK who consume flour to move over to wild farmed or a flour or, or, or other flour that's farmed in a way that's, you know, nature, nature first, mm. um, uh, then, then we'd make huge, huge impacts on the, the environmental landscape of this country. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of what you're doing currently, of course, you're talking to... Um, to producers but as a as a as a consumer what mm. would you recommend someone one should do if they're interested in pushing this forward i think it's i i i think you know more more broadly like for sure like you know buy wild farm bread and you know and where you can get some flour and, and all the rest of it but i think i think more broadly what actually needs to happen is we need a mindset change you yeah. know and uh, if you are you know unless you've been living under a rock or you've got a heart of stone or whatever like you're aware that we have a lot of issues from a climactic perspective and we've got to try and do something about it you know there is no you know kind of knight in shining armor coming over the hill like you're you're we and you are the solutions basically and so uh, then then you have to ask yourself okay so if i'm uh, 100% responsible for my experience and, and, and what's going on out here, what decisions am I making on a day-to-day to try and change things and improve things? And as I said before, uh, there's always going to be outliers and people who are extreme, and that's that's wonderful. But most people, they don't want to, you know, they, 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 they've got enough on their plate and they don't want to they don't want to take any kind of drastic leaps of, of you know, action or whatever. So what we need to do is 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 give them opportunities to make really easy change yeah. and what consumers have to do is start being a bit more aware and a bit more conscious about what they're you know just think a little bit further down the chain um, when you're buying something think about where that came from if you're buying a piece of clothing think about who you know wh- who, who's made it where did it come from what was the impact on the climate for that are the company you're buying it from do you are you aligned with them ethically you know and and so on and so forth you know when you're buying food really think about it um and 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 you know where you can support people who you think are doing things in a way that's you know that's better for the planet um you know i think we've got a big issue that you know the 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 you know, th- what was it? Fifty years ago, we were spending thirty-five percent of our disposable income mm. o- on our food, and now we're down to fifteen yeah. percent. Yeah. You know, uh, supermarkets sell food at illusory prices. You know, it's not real; it's all being subsidised. Yeah. You know, when you go to farmer farmers market, they feel really expensive. You know, I'm you know I'm yet to see a Ferrari pulling out the back of the farmers market. You know, like they're just actually charging you what the you know what real food costs yeah absolutely. you know and and so I, there's, there's got to be a reframing and i suppose that's really why i started grow uh which is which is you know at the other end of it which is how do we connect these kids yeah. with, with with the food system and how do we start getting them to understand that it, their choices as consumers are ultimately shaping the health of the planet with a view to hopefully they come through and they're they're kind of hardwired slightly differently. Um, tell us a little bit more about Grow, and how how that works. So so, 
uh, we're currently piloting up at a school up in North London called the Totteridge Academy. We've got a six-acre agroecological farm adjacent to the school. We run all sorts of kind of nature-based learning with the kids, and we, we supply the school canteen with, with a lot of its vegetables. And the idea was, it is and was that that can be a, a, a template for people to go and to replicate. Um, but increasingly, what I'm, what I'm realizing now is that actually my, um, I, I'm, my kind of, uh, my highest vibration is when I'm out there looking for interesting people doing wonderful things. And so I'm going to go and find other people. I, at the beginning, I thought I had to kind of figure it all out and create a one-size-fits-all and then push it out mm. to the world. Now what I'm realizing actually is there's loads of amazing people out there and they're all, you know, invariably, they're under-resourced, undervalued, undernourished, you know, and, and under-acknowledged. And I want to go to them and put my arm around them and tell them you're doing an amazing thing. And then I want to sit down and figure out with them where they need help and then find access to money and find access to a network and join them up with you know with growers and communities and like-minded people and start building this kind of rebel alliance around the country you know that's incredible so you've started with one pilot and hopefully that's gonna spread and grow we've got yeah we've got an amazing school that we're doing so through through wild farms mm. you know and what i'm realizing you know everything happens in life everything happens in relation yeah and yet we teach everything in fraction and it's mental and then and then like and even myself i fall out i'm like i'm like oh but how does that join up to that and you, it's all one thing everything's one thing basically you know so like through my work with wild farm i got introduced to this amazing lady called georgie weber georgie weber runs a primary school in west london uh, called greenside she's she's managed to get she's got them learning all i think key stage two and three the real littlies they're learning uh you know geography and history and mass and all the rest of it through the prism of of, of agriculture amazing. and specifically like regen agriculture it's quite amazing you walk into one of the classrooms Incredible. all the kids are going save our soil <laughs> save our soil you know and and she came to wild farm and, and wanted she wanted to open the first micro bakery in a in a british school so we helped her get an oh, oven wow. and we supply her with flour and you know and so and then and then i'm like okay cool so then how can grow help you georgie you know and so grow ultimately will become the education arm of wild farm and then and then you know we start this network of you know educators and growers and consumers and we just start to build a a big you know full, team there. full circle yeah start, full start, circle. start with yeah. the little ones and then re-educate the old ones yeah <laughs> i want to talk a little bit about, exactly. the, about the flour specifically because i know you've cooked with it haven't you yes i've cooked with it yeah and we were chatting to we went to an event this morning and we were chatting to barney barney from BBC Good Food, who yeah. um, came to the farm, and we were chatting about the flour, and obviously, I I did a workshop. Um, so it's slightly different to conventional flour, isn't it? And people have to get used to working with it. So what what would you say? What are the key differences? Uh, so, I mean, In, depending on where you're getting your flour from. Yeah. By and large, like most kind of commercial flour is pretty kind of sterile stuff, basically. And it's been smashed through a roller mill a long time ago. And it's been sitting on a, you know, in a cupboard or in a, in a, on a shelf for a long time. There's not much happening in there. Yeah. There's not much happening in there by, by way of life and enzymes and not much happening by way of, of, of nutrition and all the rest of it. Um, and so we, uh, you know, we, we stone mill, 
Uh, we batch mill at the moment, so we're, we're you know you're getting it fairly soon after it's come off the come come off the stones, um, and and it's you know it's 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 a, it, the pro the 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 product's alive, I guess really, yeah. and so um, it whilst it's consistent to itself, so like your wild farm this month and the wild farm next month and the one after are all going to operate the same. They might not operate the same as some kind of generic flower. Well, they won't operate the same as a generic flower you've picked off the supermarket shelf. Yeah. Um, and and so uh, you might, you know, it will have a different hydration point. You might have to 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 to, to prove it in a you know a different temperature. Um, uh, and and so I suppose it just takes you there's a little bit more kind of intuition what we found you know by and large is the people working with it are like oh wow this reminded me of why i became a baker yeah, in the first yeah. place you know because i'm actually having to you know i'm having a relationship with this thing rather than it just being you know uh, uh, a, a kind of machine could do yeah. it basically and not to mention from a nutritional point of value i mean there's 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 a vast amount of of nutrition involved <coughs> um comparatively to to other flowers. Standard flower, yeah. Yeah, well, the, 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 I suppose the, where you've got to think, how you've got to think about this is a, a, a plant, the plant that you see above the ground is just one half of it, right? And actually the soil is the gut of the plant. Yeah. And, so, and so if the soil, if your gut health is compromised, then you can't take any of the nutrients in that you need. So all these micronutrients that are in the soil it, it, it doesn't matter how healthy a plant might look above ground yeah. because you're spraying it with chemicals if the gut of the plant isn't in good shape it can't take all these nutrients on that that we need and so again just i know it's slightly boring but everything just comes back to the soil exactly. and we've got to we've got to we've got to sort the soil health first so if you're not growing food in a healthy soil biology then you can't expect the food to give you the nutrients yeah. that you think it will be giving you like it's not super complicated yeah. no but this is this is the thing then this is the message that needs to go out to the masses um uh the the other thing with regenerative farming which i think is really interesting obviously this has taken quite a while to get there because you're reworking the soil but what i find fascinating and which gives me hope is that it's repairable so all all the soil out there in the world is repairable it take it takes time i think it's two to three years um and sometimes more but everything is repairable and regenerative <laughs> um and that is the really important thing to to remember that all the damage that we have done, there is hope to sort this out if um, as many as possible get on board. Um, and speaking, yeah, the, the, no, go. Sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, there's a really there's a really uh, beautiful. I think it's a Vin Vendors film that you might have seen mm. called Salt of the Earth by Sel by Sebastian Salgado. Have you seen that film? Nope. But I will put that. I, oh, I will you, stick you that should, on my yeah. list. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out. Sebastian Salgado is a is a is a um, uh, is a photographer whose work you one hundred percent know. Like he's one of the most famous photographers in the world. He's gone. He spent the last fifty years taking just amazing, amazing photographs. And he um, 
he, he left his kind of family farm in Brazil when he was a young boy and he went off and, 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 uh, and, and this is the story of him coming back to his farm and the farm's in a terrible, terrible state and his poor dad's kind of wandering around and he's, you know, kind of just like, you know, furrowed brow, can't understand what happened to all the plants and the wildlife and the animals and the water and da da da, you know, and, 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 and Salgado's like, don't worry, like, we're going to figure it out, Dad. And then and the, and the film shows this kind of 15 or maybe 20-year process yeah. about how he brings this thing back to life, yeah. you know. And then and then more, you know, closer to home, you know, we've seen uh, uh, Nep Castle. I don't know if you're familiar with all that stuff that's been going on there with Isabella Tree and the, the whole rewilding yeah. project they're doing there. There's a She wrote a beautiful book um, uh, called Wilding and... and um, and and like it's quite amazing, but like nature's ability to bounce back exactly. is 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 quite phenomenal. You just have to, uh, you know, set the conditions to to you know optimum for for it and and help it get back to to how it wants to be, which is you know it, it wants to be in full you know full bloom basically. So if you had a a vision or an aim for the for the sort of short and long term future, what what would that be? I, I, I want to get as many people. I want to get as many people access to real food at, at reasonable prices. Basically, you know, unfortunately, uh, real food at the moment seems to be the preserve of the middle classes, um, and uh, and so I think there's I think there's an education piece that needs to be done, but I think also there is a there's a there's a financial piece that we need to figure out how we can get it up to a scale so that you can walk into Greg's and Subway and Domino's and Pizza Hut and all the places where the majority of people are buying their yeah. food from, and you can you can buy food that's really good for you and also good for the planet. Um, and so that's you know we talked a lot at the beginning about um, uh, on our website the the first thing we put on there we were on the long road to Greg's and I and I still stand by that and I think it's really important yeah. you know the the world uh, doesn't need you know we we've you know the the, the right price of bread uh, isn't four pound fifty but it also isn't fifty nine p you know so we got to try and we we got to try and get to the right point and and uh, and we got to make it access- accessible. Uh, to as many people as possible and and i totally believe we can do it because you know like it are, are as humans our kind of self-preservation instincts are huge and uh and i think unfortunately we're going to see over the course of the next you know couple of generations um you know like you know, massive rises in 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 disease levels mm-hmm. and you know and uh and levels of autism and 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 so on and so forth and and a lot of it is going to you know they're going to be able to prove irrefutably it's it's about what we're exposing ourselves through you know food and chemicals and all the rest of it and we need to change that because um we, you know we, we won't be able to keep the wheels on society if everybody's sick yeah. like that just doesn't make any sense no i i i couldn't agree with you more um yeah it's a powerful message isn't it yeah definitely um I wanted to ask you in terms of if you are a farmer or a grower, I know that you've got a waiting list, but how how would you get involved or what what would you do if, if somebody's listening and they want to get into regenerative farming? If I if I wanted if I was a grower and I wanted to get into regenerative agriculture, um I would uh, I'd watch Kiss the Ground for starters. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting film, and, and I think it, it's a nice kind of entry into it. 
Um, uh, and then um, there's a bunch of books you can read um, uh, uh, as well. Um, Agricultural Testament's a pretty good starting point. I mean, it was quite heavy going, but 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 you know, if you're if you're into it, give that a whirl. Um, and then you know, go on our website. Um, there's a whole bunch of information on there. There's there's a, there's a bunch of uh, case studies about other farms that we work with, and and you know, get in touch and and uh, you know, maybe come down to an open day next year and see what we're doing. And and uh, you know, I think really it's about communication, about connection. Yeah. Um, you know, mo- most people, as I say, I think most people want to do the right thing by themselves, by their families, by their communities, by nature. Um, but if it's if, if we if we make it more difficult for them to do the you know perceived right thing, um, then then it, you know there's always going to be barriers to entry. And so you know, really, we're about just trying to encourage people and show them you know like firsthand that this is doable and you can do it. And and you know we you know we've been talking. Um, you know, like we, we had a baker's day the other day and we had a couple of bakers there who've gone 100% wild farm with their bakery. Amazing. And like rather than me telling other bakers about why they should go 100%, you know, wild farmed, uh, we, we just got the bakers who've done it to do it, you know, and then that's a much better. And then they can, they know all the, you know, they've got all the questions and yeah. answers that they, that they have because it's their sector and it's their thing and they're both speaking the same language. So, so yeah, if you're interested, get in touch and, 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 and you know, come down and see us, and and uh, and you know, let's exchange, and and you know, hopefully, uh, we will get our. You know, we, we're a work in progress. We definitely haven't figured it all out yet, but like, we'll definitely we'll we'll, we'll be able to get our, our our onboarding process over the course of the next year or two will get slicker and smoother, and 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 we're going to make it as easy as possible for people to transition. Amazing! That sounds good. That's incredible. So we're almost at the end of our. Uh, chat and we've got two last questions so we'll start with the we'll start with what's the worst advice that you've ever gotten and then we'll end on a more positive note the worst advice Uh, I think I don't know I mean I don't know if I've ever I've I've got a bit of a reality distortion kind of field so like if you don't tell me what I want to hear I generally don't hear it very much (laughs) Um, so, so you know, but there was, there was definitely when I was at school, there was a lot of limitation about what you could and couldn't do and what was possible and all the rest of it. And I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into any of that shit. You know, um, there's no, uh, there's no uh, objective reality in the world. You know, and and you know, your whatever you decide whatever reality you want to create for yourself, it's all there, you know? And of course it's more difficult for some people depending on their starting point, but like ultimately um, whatever we give our attention to is what will manifest itself and will come into our life. And that's, you know, and so where we put our focus will ultimately determine our outcome. And, and there's a lot of people will tell you otherwise. I agree. I agree. But it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just on that note then, um, have you had any uh, good advice which has really resonated with you? Or is it all part of the same thing? Uh, so, no, 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 no. So the best bit of advice I had at the time, and, it's, you know, and it really helped at the time actually, was that you can't invoice for effort. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I used to work in band, like I was a music manager, and I'd managed this artist and I kind of got her 
kind of from nowhere to a really good position and we made some amazing music and uh and i'd worked really hard for a few years and i made no money out of it and um and 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 for some reason i just could not get this girl a deal you know and uh, and it was crazy because she was a star and this music was great and it just wouldn't happen and in the end uh I, in the end i went and became a tv host and uh, and and she went and got managed by a friend of mine who was the only other person in the music industry who really kind of believed in her and within two or three months she became one of the biggest stars in the world and and everybody was ringing me going like oh Georgie you smashed it well done da, da. Yeah. and I was like I was like uh oh, like, like, oh, I'm not no. actually managing her anymore yeah. da, da. and I carried this big heavy weight for you know probably a, a year or two you know and 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 because I was you know very definitely just starting out in mm. telly there was no it, there was it wasn't it wasn't uh, I didn't know it was going to go quite well you know so I was I was carrying this thing around and um and and I got invited by this very wealthy successful self-made guy uh, to uh, like I basically I realized subsequently I was kind of like hired entertainment to his chalet in the in the in the Alps <laughs> You know, and they, I got sent a driver and put in a private jet and got into, you know, went into this kind of James Bond thing <laughs> through the mountain and all the rest of it. And I walked, and I'd never been around any of that stuff in my life. I was like, oh my God, like, what is this, you know? And, uh, and as I got to know him a bit throughout the week, he, he kind of called me into his study one day and he was like, so come on then, what's this whole story about this girl, you know? And I explained the situation. And and then he was like, "And do you make any money out of it?" And I told him how much money I'd made out of it, you know. And 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 and, and at that, which in relative terms wasn't a lot, and and that was the bit of the story where everybody would say like, "Oh, mate, that's <laughs> terrible. I feel so bad for you." And da da da. And he goes, "Goes, oh right, all right. Well, I think that's fair. I think you've had everything you should have got out of it." And I was like, "No, no, sorry. No, I just told you. I just told you this whole story, and that's not." And he was like, "I, I, I was like, I was like, what do you mean?" And he was like, "Well, did you deliver?" And I was like, I was like, well, what? I mean, I did really help, you know. And he's like, did you deliver? And I was like, well, I don't really know what you mean. He's like, okay, so you went and found the girl, you got her writing songs, you put her in the studio, did you get her a record deal? Did you get her out on tour? Did you make the videos? Did you do the merch? Did you do the collaborations? Did you do the thing, the tour? Did and I was like, no. And he goes, right, well, you didn't deliver, and you can't invoice for effort, and that's it, you know. And it was really like it was quite brutal to hear it, but at it's that moment, advice. I was like, "Wow!" All yeah. of a sudden, Clarity. I felt about two yeah. foot taller. I was <laughs> like, "I was like, I can't. You can't invoice for effort." <laughs> so, so you know, you've got to deliver. And it sounds a bit brutal, and it definitely. I'm not sure how it kind of aligns with my slightly more kind of like you know spiritual side now as I've gotten older. But like, just in a kind of purely commercial sense. You can't invoice for effort. That's mm. it. So you got to deliver, and if and 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 if you want to land it and make it happen, you got to follow the whole thing through. You know, and doing half of it isn't the job. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And it's uh, <laughs> you're definitely you're definitely delivering now, aren't you? And going all the way. Well, yeah, but, well, yeah. We we've yeah. I mean, in th we are. We're in the process. But like again, same thing. You know, if we don't get this stuff into Subway and we don't get it into Domino's and we don't get it into the hands of normal working people, then as far as I'm concerned, I didn't actually deliver. Well, I think I think you know? that you will, and I think that you're well on your way, and it's incredibly Thank incredibly you. inspiring. And I hope that people that listen to this get inspired and do something because they, you just need to do one little thing 
and that usually it's creates help. changes um and it's just being aware of of what's going on because we all need to be more aware don't we yes 100 100%. 100%, absolutely thank you so much that was absolutely brilliant um loved uh, having you on and, thank you, and more more soon my pleasure my pleasure love it to see you both thank you very much for having me and um and i look forward to seeing you soon thank you <laughs>